So, uh, Alan, been thinking a lot about Total Recall lately. You're having Total Recall. I'm having Total Recall about Total Recall, and I can't tell if they were memories ejected into my brain or if I've just been thinking about the movie a lot lately. But you're, Sorry, you're not sure whether there actually was a movie called Total Recall or whether that's just the implanted memories. How could I know? Well... Do you really think they would have made a sequel with Colin Farrell to your fake memories? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That no such movie exists. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and this is my friend Alan. I'm charged up. I'm ready to do this. Mm, Get to it. Get some cowboy up right i I, i'm feeling woke wait i am not using that correctly i don't (laughs) well this week we we should be excited because we've got an exciting crime ridden tale from march 5th 1916 from detective story magazine it was part of the red raven stories and it's called a chance clue by scott campbell and so now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a drink while i read you this week's tale. The girl halted, as if suddenly turned to stone. Arrest the Gorgon. There you go, another Red Raven case closed. Good story, good story. Her color faded as quickly as if all the blood in her veins had surged to her heart. Through the meshes of her gray veil, her dilating eyes were fixed with startled, staring scrutiny upon the man's motionless motionless hand and its one adornment. A fidget spinner. (laughs) She lingered, only for a moment, unheard, unnoticed, and then she went to sit at a desk in one corner, still furtively watching the man, but with her fair face partly averted, She had just entered the Stability Trust Company, a New York banking institution, and approached one of the wall desks to write a deposit slip. Incidentally, when nearly behind a fashionably clad man who was writing a check, she noticed his left hand on the checkbook. Oh, God, it's a check. I bet Ah. he's going to have coupons, too. (laughs) I could have had 15 items, but no, Freddy's got to have his Triscuits. (laughs) Oh, there's no bagger. Ugh the worst at the receiving teller's window a little later while passing in her deposit she inquired carelessly did you see the tall gentleman mr raymond who cast a check and went out a few minute, moments ago mr raymond smiled at her through the lattice and bowed i did he replied he is a personal friend of mine his name is hamilton fisk um hold on just a second let me Let me get you his social security number and maybe his FICO score as well. I got plenty of dirt. Thank you. He he reminded me of a friend who lives in Denver. Mr. Fisk lives at the Waldron. 
He's one of our depositors. Wait, so what kind of bank is this? <laughs> I, I think we all know what kind of bank this is. Money bank? <laughs> I, was merely I was merely impressed with the resemblance mentioned. Nothing more. The last was added with noticeable indifference. Nevertheless, upon entering a handsome Fifth Avenue residence, half an hour later, the same young lady hastened to call up the police headquarters and ask for Detective Glidden. I'm Glidden, and this is my partner, Sherwin Williams. <laughs> I am Violet Van Hook, she informed him. You remember me, no doubt, in connection with the robbery in our Riverdale home two years ago. Oh, yeah, sure he does. I mean... Cops are known for their perfect memories, right? Uh, right. You're the, you're the one who lost your TV and the DVD box out of Stargate SG One. Uh, we're still working on that one. <laughs> Crack the case any day now. Yes, indeed. Glidden pricked up his ears. Very well, Miss Van Hook. I assure you, not been robbed again, have you? <laughs> no, I'm joking. But no, really, crime is rampant. We're not great at our jobs. No, I'm thankful to say, but I have information for you. Very valuable information. Will you call at my Fifth Avenue home as soon as possible? Uh, it, it's absolutely vital. I came here personally to ask you to text my personal assistant and she'll email you back with times that are good for me next week. I just love cops that make house calls. Within half an hour. Thank you. By the way. Well... I think you bad better wear a disguise. Oof. Rough way to call somebody ugly. <laughs> Very good. I will do so. Miss Van... <laughs> he just agrees right away. Oh, disguise, no problem. I got one in the car. Miss Van Hook received him in the library half an hour later. Oh, uh, so should we carpool or... Uh, no? Uh, okay, okay. Nice, yeah. nice carbon footprint, lady. Yeah. <laughs> She then looked more pale and serious, and, after a conventional greeting, she said gravely, My parents are in Washington, Mr. Glidden, or I would have conferred with them before sending for you. I have not forgotten that the robber who imposed upon us so outrageously as Lord Arkwright, presenting forged letters bearing the names of my father's London bankers, returned to me a very valuable and dearly cherished necklace of sapphires and diamonds. Okay. Okay, so his crime is that he gave her back a necklace? It's kind of like, it's like he's mostly guilty of padding his resume. Okay, I didn't know your dad that well. In spite of my gratitude for that ignominy and consideration, my conscience will not let me hide what I have learned. I see. Glidden gazed at her inquiringly. What have you learned, may I ask? I saw that man this morning. The robber? Yes. How long ago and where? About an hour ago. I was making a deposit with a stability trust company. Uh, they're much more respectable than the Shaky Foundation Credit Union. <laughs> it's way harder to get a loan. Are you sure of his identity? No, not positively sure, Violet admitted. I would have not recognized him at all, Mr. Glidden, but for one fact. Lord Arkwright, so-called, wore a bloodstone ring, to one curious feature of which he once called my attention. The blood-red spots in the stone formed the outline of a bird. He told me he called it his Red Raven. His Ruby Rooster. I mean, 
Red Raven. The Ruby Rooster Gang. They're bad news. <laughs> Red Raven. I guess that's right. Glidden's eyes were aglow with subdued elation. That man, Miss Van Hook, is the chief of the worst gang of crooks in this country. And when I say worst, I mean, they're really bad at their jobs. They keep giving the jewels back. <laughs> I mean, you know. They're the guiltiest gang in the West. <laughs> the Order of the Red Ravens. That's what it's called. Did the man you saw this morning wear a ring like Lord Arkwright's? Exactly like it, said Violet. I saw it plainly while he was writing a check. I instantly recalled it, and then I studied the man himself. In a general way, I mean, these features and such. I mean, his groin. <laughs> and such features as cannot be disguised, as he was precisely like Lord Arkwright. Did he see you? No, sir. Or know that you saw him? He did not. He cashed his check and then left the bank. He must be one of the depositors, then. Or he needed something notarized for a nefarious purpose. I know that he is, said Violet. I questioned the receiving teller, Mr. Raymond, who said that the man is a personal friend of his. And questioned him, eh? His personal friend, eh? <laughs> Partial sentence query, eh? <laughs> Glidden's grizzled brows fell perceptively. It may have been better if you had not questioned him. What did you ask the teller? Only who the man was. Nothing more. That was all. Mr. Raymond said that his name is Hamilton Fisk, and that he lives in the Hotel Waldron. That is all that was said about him. I decided that I had better not ask too many questions before stating the facts to you. I thought maybe we could do a whole good cop, amateur bank detective routine on him. I see, Glidden chuckled approvingly. A chuckle from Glidden was most extraordinary. You did right, Miss Van Hook, perfectly right. You are wiser than most women. <laughs> like a surprisingly youthful crone. <laughs> really, I am quite proud of you. Uh, yes, uh, no, really, my condescension is just filled to the brim over you. I'll be talking like this until the mid-90s. Not another word about this, however, until after I've looked into it. Not one word, mind you. Miss Van Hook assured him to that effect, and Detective Glidden thanked her and departed. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you a question, okay? Uh why did he need to wear a disguise? <laughs> she doesn't want any riffraff coming into her building, Alan. Come on, he's a detective. She's a wealthy prostitute. Keeping up appearances. I get it. <laughs> Upstairs, downstairs. Say no more. <laughs> he looked more grim and threatening while he hastened down Fifth Avenue. His elation gave way to an ugly aggressiveness that few would have wished to arouse, much less oppose. They call it fortunitude. <laughs> Is she right? Is there anything in it? He asked himself. Have I finally got him, this thieving red raven chieftain, this slick and slippery rascal who repeatedly has slipped through my fingers and given me the laugh? Have I finally got him? Hamilton Fisk, eh? It would be like him, by thunder, to be dwelling with the select and posing as a blue blood. Eating 
dinner at the family table with Donnie Wahlberg and Bridget Moynihan? <laughs> we'll soon find out. I'll mighty soon find out. Glidden did not, however, let his eagerness pitch him over the traces. He hastened in disguise to the Hotel Waldron, where he cornered the manager, with whom he was very well acquainted, in his private office. I want a little information, Sheldon, he said, after revealing his identity. But mum's the word. No, the word is bazinga. <laughs> and if you like blue bloods, come try Young Sheldon, another fine CBS show, CBS America's most watched network. CBS, you're going to be old sooner or later. Don't you, by hint, look, or sign, reveal what passes between us. You know what that means. You know what it means, Sheldon, coming from me. Jeez. So it's just happened to passing a guy a sawbuck. <laughs> I mean, you catch more flies with honey, man. Sheldon smiled and bowed. You have, you have said enough, Glidden, along that line, he replied. I'll forget that you have been here. What do you want to know? All you can tell me about Hamilton Fisk. Well, it's a spoon song. Kind of a take on the kink schoolboy nostalgia tune, David Watts. <laughs> I don't want to get all spin on you, but, you know, kind of toured with them for a bit. What did Pitchfork give it? I don't know. It was on my New Music Monthly CD, though. <laughs> world that shall be to the good said sheldon he has been one of my guests for three years he is thoroughbred gentleman a bachelor a man of means and a mighty fine fellow any business none beyond an occasional venture in stocks fisk doesn't need a business he has money enough he employs a valet and lives like a gentleman he opens car doors for me and only farts in private <laughs> that and that's what he is, too, Glidden. You can bank on that. Do you know where he came from, or any more about him? Only along the same lines. Are his habits good? Exemplary. For a man residing in New York, he really lives a simple life. Oh, yeah. I think it was Buddha who first invented the ascetic, <laughs> live in a hotel with your personal servant kind of lifestyle. <laughs> Kato... I don't know why you ask these questions, nor care. Take it from me, however, you'll not get anything on Hamilton Fisk. He could have my bankroll for the asking. And my bedroll, too. <laughs> That's all, then. Glidden arose abruptly. Forget it. I have pledged myself to that effect. It was not quite all, however, for Glidden lingered at the hotel office until he got a look at the suspected man. But he could detect no convincing resemblance to the crook he repeatedly had encountered yet who had not looked twice alike. And he then left the Hotel Waldron with his ardor somewhat chilled. Left with a case of investigative blue balls. While well, Mr. Richard Ravenswood, entirely unconscious of this ominous interest in him, was sauntering into the dining room to lunch. Detective Glidden did not drop the matter. Not for a moment did he contemplate doing so. He returned to headquarters where he cornered and confided in Jack Armstrong, his invariable choice as an assistant in serious cases. By Jove, that girl may be right, said Armstrong hopefully. She saw more of that rascal than we ever saw, all put together. Nevertheless, Joe, it seems too good to be true. How can we cinch it? Would a grilling, grilling be hanged? Broiling or 
bust. <laughs> Glidden blurted. That girl, that, that, that gink. <laughs> All right. What? That- <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm offended but I'm I'll tell you tomorrow whether that was highly inappropriate or not. <laughs> that gink if he's the man he would end up grilling us. He's much too slick to have left himself open. What have we ever found that would serve to identify him? Never a fingerprint, never so much as a hair that we could prove came from his own head. No body fluids at all. And trust me, I looked. There's no denying that, Joe. He's the limit, Armstrong. He's real gone, Daddy. (laughs) He's a bee's knees, Glidden continued, snarling. He can't be downplayed with a bluff. He's put it all over people at the Waldron. If this Fisk is the man, he stands ace high in all quarters. No crimes have been committed in the Waldron. He's too slick to have brought us buzzing so near his ears. He knows enough to have got in his work outside. No, no, Jack. There wouldn't be anything in a grilling. There's only one way to corner that rat and beat out his devilish brains. What way is that? Probably just say he looked like he was reaching for a gun. (laughs) Watch him, snapped Glidden. Keep him in the dark and watch him. Watch that infernal valet, too who may be more of a pal than a servant. Who are they to judge the love between a manservant and his manserved, between a turtle and his Adrian Grenier? (laughs) As like as not, Joe. Here's another point, Glidden added. It's several months since these red rascals got in their work. They have been fattening on birds and bottles, no doubt from the fruits of that Newport job. Yes, how I gained my freshman 15 birds and bottles. <laughs> birds and bottles. But that must be nearly blown in by this time. Surely. It's money to marbles, then, that they have another job shaped up by this time. It's money to marbles. Hold on. Now, if you divide marbles into dollars and then convert that to donuts... Uh, let me let me get a graphing calculator. This espionage will not be of long duration. Now is the time to get them red-handed, Armstrong. If Violet Van Hook is right, we then will have got them by thunder only by the help of a woman. A veritable fluke as far as we are concerned. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like those suffragettes who protested. It'll never happen again. It's a fluke. <laughs> Armstrong laughed, but Glidden was in no laughing mood. Repeated failures in his relentless pursuit of Ravenswood had netted him into his depths. That's what we'll do, he said bluntly. We'll begin a systematic espionage. You watch the valet. I'll look after the master, this Fisk, or whatever his name really is. I'll find out. You can bet that I'll find out, Armstrong, sooner or later. We'll begin our work at once. All this occurred on a Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, gotta detect on Thursday. <laughs> Part 2 Still oblivious to the threatening interest he had aroused, Mr. Richard Ravenswood entered the quarters of the Stability Trust Company at precisely noon the following Saturday, the hour for closing business for the week. He carried a strong leather satchel of medium size in one hand, 
and approached the window of the receiving teller. A bearded man followed him in from the street, and from the corridor cautiously watched him through the oval glass in one of the swinging doors. Detective Glidden. Ah, Fisk, how are you? Raymond gazed out and greeted him cordially. Glad to see you. You are some stranger. Ditto. Oh, oh, okay. No, stop the podcast. Mm. No, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just crying. Oh, it's this criminal <laughs> and this bank teller are going to love each other forever. <laughs> Even though one of them is a ghost? <laughs> and I guess the detective is Whoopi Goldberg? I haven't been paying the closest attention, but God, ditto. <laughs> when podcasters ship. <sighs> Ravenswood, la Ravenswood laughed. It was their first meeting since Thursday. Uh, you know where I hang out. Why haven't you called? Very busy. I may drop around this evening. Do so. We'll knock out a few games of billiards. I enjoy playing with you, Raymond. That's probably in the way that you use it and the way you don't let it go. Comes and it goes. I would be a greater stranger, however, bar calling to ask a favor of you. Consider it granted, Raymond said quickly. What can I do for you? I've just converted some securities into Pacific bonds. Ravenswood held up the satchel. There was a delay in delivering them, and I've not time to go to the deposit vault to put them in my drawer before closing. Short day this, you know. Um, uh, do I know? Did we establish it's the winter solstice? <laughs> I wish you would set the sat satchel in your vault over Sunday. It'll be safer than at the Waldron. Why, certainly, Raymond exclaimed, opening his lattice window to receive it. Very glad to do so for you. It is locked, of course. Yes, if you wish to inspect its contents, however, I will. Nonsense. No, but our... Customers' dildo and firecracker collections are their own business. <laughs> I've, I'm telling you from experience, never store them in the same box. Don't reach for that key. I will place it in your bond drawer. By the way, though, you cannot get it before 10 o'clock Monday morning. Our vault will be closed in a few minutes, and the time lock is set for 10 on Monday. The devil himself could not open it before then. Uh, you rang. <laughs> heard my name. <laughs> Yes. The little Tinkle Bell told me you had something to talk about. <laughs> oh, devil. That will suit that will suit me admirably. Ravenswood smiled and nodded. I intend turning part of them into steel if the market opens weak on Monday. Oh, paper to steel. I love close-up magic. <laughs> I will be here at ten o'clock. Good enough. That settles it. Raymond hastened to place the satchel in the vault. Glidden did not see the transaction. He was sauntering to, her to and fro in the corridor. It was indiscreet to peer constantly through the swinging door. It's a, it's a vault, not a money locker room. It's not like there's just <laughs> money hanging out there in a bathrobe or something. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe the money's being laundered. <laughs> Ravenswood lingered. Sorry, I think we lost the connection there, Rob. <laughs> the internet got flaky. I, damn internet. Ravenswood lingered, saw the clerks and tellers hurriedly place their books and funds in the vault, saw the massive doors close and lo closed and locked, impregnably closed until Monday. 
and then he added to the conversation he had been carrying on with Raymond. How soon will you be at liberty? Will you go with me to lunch? Pop out for cheeky dandos. <laughs> for cheeky dandos. Cheeky dandos. <laughs> cheeky dandos. Nandos. 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 Is that like a jammy dodger? Yes. <laughs> Delighted, Raymond nodded. I'll be through here in a few in about five minutes. Capital, I'll wait for you. Forever. <laughs> oh, by the way, Raymond suddenly remembering, gazed out, laughing. I think you might win out, Fisk, if so inclined. A very wealthy, attractive, and desirable young lady. Who barely mentioned you in passing, so you know she must be dying for a husband. A fine chance for matrimony, Fisk, on this level. <laughs> Excuse me, Ravenswood laughed and shook his head. One half of that word is enough for me. Money, not matrimony. All my money, not alimony. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wordplay. You ought to be taxed, and maybe, if the present administration is continued. Oh, God, no. Please help us in 2020. <laughs> Please, Alan. This is Woodrow Wilson we're talking about. He couldn't even form a League of Nations, let alone build a wall. Let it come. Bachelorhood is worth it. She's a beautiful girl, nevertheless. You must have made an impression on her, too, for she had enough interest in you to inquire about you. When? And of whom? When you were here Thursday morning, she saw you write and cash a check. When handing me her deposit after you went out, she asked me about her. Oh my god, catching a check that's so hot, I just had to ask about you. Because <laughs> I'm the weasel. <laughs> oh, <was awesome>. Whoops. <laughs> I didn't mean to go full nuts. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Very nice of her, I'm sure. Ravenswood smiled. I feel highly flattered. Who's the young lady? Her name is Violet Van Hook. Ravenswood heard it, without a change of countenance. An involuntary chill ran down his spine, however, and his nerves began to tingle. It was a pretty short ASMR, but effective. Van Hook. I do not place her, he said calmly. Nor can I conceive why she felt an interest in me. She said you reminded her of a friend who lives in Denver. Lives in Denver and goes to banks. Now, I don't... These Facebook friend suggestions, just... They're, they're really scraping the barrel. <laughs> hmm. Is that so? Ravenswood knew it had... It knew it to have been an equivocation and that he must have been recognized. Thursday morning, eh? Two days ago? You told Miss Van Hook all about me, of course. No, no, indeed. Raymond shook his head. She ended her inquiries very abruptly. Ah, very abruptly, eh? The significance of it was doubly convincing. I told her your name and where you resided. And that you have the clap. But was that too much? <laughs> that was quite enough to tell her, Ravenswood laughed lightly. But his voice was tinged with subtle irony. All ready, Raymond. Are you... Yes, I'll be with you in half a minute. Ravenswood sauntered toward the, toward the corridor door. He appeared as calm and complacent as when he entered. There was no sign of perturbation. 
no indication of threatening misgivings. That is a smooth criminal. Alan, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Alan? He passed out with Raymond and went with him to lunch in a popular restaurant, more genial and jovial than usual, if anything, and they parted after the meal. Ravenswood sauntered up the street. Keeps on sauntering. It's like more than a debutante trying to catch her bow at a spring cantillion. Until he came to a drugstore in which he saw a pay station telephone booth, the door of which faced the street. He entered it and removed the receiver, but held down the bracket with his finger. He then pretended to drop a coin in the slot and to communicate with someone. Mm. Now what's that Empire Today number again? How do you do that on a rotary phone? That would take forever. But all the while, with his back toward the street door and the store windows, he was gazing intently at the polished nickel ring around the mouthpiece. Presently, replacing the receiver, he tore a leaf from his notebook and wrote on it with a lead pencil. He then folded the leaf and placed it, with obvious care, in the middle of the telephone book, leaving it there. Wanted someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. Wait, this doesn't make any sense. Glidden saw him do it, furtively watching him through one of the windows, but he quickly moved away when his quarry turned to leave the booth. He's up to something, the rat, he snarled under his breath. Yeah, yeah, he's up to something. <laughs> That's why you're getting paid. Otherwise, it's just harassment. Master Detective Glidden. Why did he telephone? And to whom? Has Raymond told him about the girl? Well, that's not likely. Or he would have betrayed it. What did he write and leave in that book? I have it by thunder. He has planned with someone, probably one of his rascally red bird confederates, to go there for written instructions or a communication of some kind. I can nail it by Jove and pick him up again before he turns the corner. Ravenswood then was sauntering slowly up the street. He did it again. Well, he really commits. You got to give him credit. He, he's a saunterer. Glidden entered the drugstore and hurried into the telephone booth. Seizing the exchange book, he rapidly turned the leaves and found the folded scrap of paper. He opened it and read a single, mocking, staggering line. Glidden, you're a chump. P.S. You should have seen this coming. The audience sure did. <laughs> hey significance of it was unmistakable and irresistible. Glidden vented a fiery oath, then turned like an angry bull and rushed out to the street. Ravenswood had disappeared. Disappeared just a little too late because then the relationship between Hannah and Caleb just went south and just kind of ruined the show for me. I'm supposed to get that reference, right? No. Good. It was 8 o'clock that evening when Glidden and Armstrong met at headquarters and sat down to compare notes, the former immediately stating what had occurred. Well, he pantsed me. <laughs> he pantsed me, but good. A ruse. One of his rat tricks to give me the slip and the laugh. That's what it was, he snarled bitterly. The teller told him about the girl. I didn't believe he would even remember it, but it put the rascal wise. He reasoned that the girl would inform me that she must have already done so, and the fact that I have not approached him and openly called him down led him to suspect that he was being shadowed. He clinched it in the telephone booth. 
He's always one third of a step ahead of me. I know it's not much, but I'm not very intelligent. <laughs> I know now, curse him. The nickel ring around the mouthpiece reflected the store door in the windows. Through his back, though his back was turned that way, it enabled him to see me looking in, and my disguise did not fool him. I guess I shouldn't have left my police badge on. <laughs> he left that scurvy scrap of paper, hoping I would rush in to get it, enabling him to bolt and vanish. Vanish be hanged. Vanish be lethally injected unless the governor gets a call. <laughs> I'll not sleep nights till I get him. Have you been to the Waldron? Waldron? Why go there? Glidden ground his teeth disgustedly. Well, they have a nice brunch and free mimosas, kind of heavy with the orange juice, but... Mm, still a good value. He'll never set foot in the Waldron again. Let him, let him alone to be too wise for that. But I'll find him, Armstrong, if he stays above ground. I'll get him and bury him, blast him. I'll can him for keeps. I'll preserve him for a long winter in a pressure cooker. <laughs> Sorry, I was running out of homespun phrases. <laughs> My knowledge of canning ends just about there. What about the valet, Nolan? Nolan. We might nail him. Armstrong shrugged his shoulders expressively. Too late, he said tersely. What do you mean? snapped Glidden. I'll tell you, Joe, when your jaw slows down, that's your only safety valve. You'd explode. Bang! Burst all to smithereens if you didn't cut loose with your tongue and let off steam. <laughs> you know, Tongue Loose was a very different movie from Footloose. <laughs> Kind of its own porn parody, too. <laughs> Oddly enough, Laurie Singer starred in both. Nolan left the Waldron at precisely noon. He appeared for the first time to have a definite mission. I shadowed him to Z Street, and there I lost him. Z, the beginning of everything. Street. <laughs> Just to Z Street. Losing seems to be our long suit. How the devil did you lose him? That's the strange part of it, Armstrong said more seriously. He entered one of the low brick buildings in that section. It is rented by the agent of a New Orleans sugar and molasses firm, a man named Hawley. <laughs> sugar and molasses? <laughs> Business has got a hell of a diversification strategy. <laughs> Country and western. I swear that Nolan went in there, and I entered scarce ten seconds after him, thinking I might overhear something and would make of inquiries to cover my intrusion. Um, say, could I borrow a cup of... <laughs> I'm kidding, you guys must get that all the time. Uh, he's the funny cop. I see. There's a front office, a space partly filled with barrels and casks, and a back door. The door of which was open. All right, Mr. Jones, Um, you're going to be sitting over here on this barrel, and this other barrel will be your desk. As you can see, we have an open cask layout. We find it helps encourage productivity. Molasses productivity. <laughs> but there was no rear door, no, nor any any stairway to the second floor. That is reached by a door outside, and Hawley lives up there. He's the only tenant in the building. Tough condo board. I get you, Glidden growled. But what about Nolan? Nolan wasn't there. Not there. Not hide nor hair of him. Hmm. 
Glidden's furrowed brows contracted until they mingled. I wandered around and looked everywhere, while talking about the price of molasses with Holly. But there was no Nolan. So, um, hmm, molasses, um, so it's, uh, you say it's cheap during molasses cookie season, and then you have to give it away the rest of the year because nobody wants this shit. (laughs) It's the life of a molasses dealer. You may have gone down cellar. I could see no door leading to a cellar. He could not have evaporated, snapped Glidden. He's not Chris Angel or Milk. (laughs) he must be somewhere in the place must have been somewhere in the place where is this building what part of z street that section of which old buildings are rapidly being torn down for larger ones this one now that i think of it is directly back of the stability trust building it is what now glidden's grim face had changed like a flash while his fist banged a table as if to splinter it by heaven i have it i have put together Literally the only two clues I have for a theory a third grader could have come up with. (laughs) He cried, eyes blazing. There's a job on that bank. That's why he's a depositor. Well, no shit, Einstein. (laughs) That's why he's friendly with Raymond. That's what became of the satchel. I wonder, but I don't wonder now. It's in the bank vault, Armstrong, loaded with dynamite, or the devil knows what. A portable hole. No, no, okay, no, probably the thing you said. (laughs) I mean that we've got him. Glidden rose up with a terrible laugh. We have them nipped, Jack. Every damned thieving Red Raven. Every delicious Red Robin, I mean Red Raven. (laughs) Keep screwing that up. I'll clip their wings this time by thunder. Get a bunch of the boys together. Make it a score with a gun in every pocket. American dream. We've got them. By heaven, I'll not leave a live red bird among them. All right, Rob, why don't you say we take a break? It's uh it's a mystery. I am I am damn impressed with this guy's skills to figure this out. He's really the proto cluso. A pro so? A proto cluso. <laughs> it's not biology. <laughs> it's not like a single celled organism. A proto cluso. Frodo cluso. I've got it. I've got it. He takes the ring and. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Jeez. What, what? Let's just get back to the story. But actually, before we do that, just one request for you, the listener. If you like Interrupted Tales, we'd really appreciate it if you go to iTunes and leave a rating or review for the podcast. It's free for you, and it's a huge help to us. We appreciate you, and thanks. Part 3. They had gathered like blackbirds, singly and from divers' directions, until the flock was complete. They had come at intervals during the day, from various quarters, and with unostentious stealth, seeking cover through different avenues, an alley and an outer bulkhead door, a trap in the back room, witness Nolan, and some, like moles in the earth, through tunnels secretly constructed during months of labor, 
while the refuse of dirt and stones was removed in casks and barrels marked molasses and sugar. Which they had filled like hummingbirds and were weasels and... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just trying to shoehorn in some more animal <laughs> metaphors there. Ravenswood looked strangely serious while he viewed them at close upon nine o'clock that evening. His brood of red ravens gathered in an underground room between the low brick building mentioned by Armstrong and the rear foundation wall of the Stability Trust. Through a broad opening from this room, one of the three leading in different directions, it could be seen that part of the wall was gone, that a circular chamber had been formed, that timbers and cement and steel had been broken from the ceiling, leaving only a comparatively thin and feeble partition between this circular chamber and the interior of the bank vault. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Does that mean someone played chess with a giant snake until he found a key flying around the top of the room? I don't know. I kind of zoned out at that part. <laughs> Ravenswood gazed from one to another in the bright electric light, stolen by means of a concealed wire from the service in the trust building. I remember he doesn't go to jail for the bank robbery, but for electrical bill evasion. That's how oh, they get him. That's how they get yeah. him. That's right. That's how they get him. He'd entered, he'd entered only a few minutes before, and had found them all there, awaiting him, intent upon the mere, near culmination of the most elaborate and laborious crime they had ever undertaken. Okay. Laborious? Sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll give him that. Elaborate? Is going to Ace Hardware and buying some shovels and some two-by-fours really that elaborate? Ravenswood checked their conversation and addressed them more seriously than usual and not without a tinge of affection in his low, sonorous voice. Attention, Red Ravens, he began. I have important disclosures to make and little time with which to make them. It is twenty minutes to nine, when we shall learn with what success we have labored. It's when they announce the pick six lotto numbers. We've met here many times in the past six months, and this is to be the last time here, and perhaps our last meeting as an organized band of underworld workers. Yeah, where you guys elected me a chapter president because I talk real good. Last meeting? Nolan stared at him amazedly while the jaws of others fell. Our, our, our last meeting, Dickie? Ravenswood bowed. It's a long lane, lads, and there's no turning, said he. Sooner or later, despite the utmost precautions that can be taken, the pitcher that goes to the well may be broken. I thought I understood most baseball analogies, but... <laughs> After tonight, Red Ravens, we shall disband temporarily at least, and whether a subsequent reorganization will be feasible will depend upon many contingencies. Great guns, this from Galen. What's the trouble, Dickie? Glidden is in a way to make good. Make good? Nolan gasped. What do you mean, Dickie? I'm pretty sure he's going to be placed on administrative leave <laughs> and then choose to spend more time with his family. That's, that sounds about right. He has identified me as Fisk for three years a respected resident in the fashionable Waldron. But the Waldron, Patty, will see no more of us. Thunderation! The Barbarian. <laughs> Nolan scarce could believe his ears. How did the infernal dick get wise? Hold on. Okay, I'll come up with a punchline. Okay. Mm, okay. Um, he, he went through the penal system. Ah, ah. My guess is that he had two little round guys helping him. Through my identification of a former victim, the Van Hook girl, naturally, of course, she hastened to inform Glidden, 
who investigated the Van Hook robbery. But, but when did that come off? Lacey demanded apprehensively. How long has Glidden known of this? Since Thursday morning. The devil, you say? Oh, don't be alarmed, Ravenswood said assuredly. He has been looking me up and making inquiries, no doubt, but he has not approached me openly. Well, it's the 20s. You had to be more subtle back then. <laughs> Little tap on the foot. You may have been shadowed. I know that I have been watched. And I like it. Fortunately, however, this is my first visit here since Wednesday. I discovered this afternoon that Glidden was trailing me, but I shook him off by, well, it'll take time to tell you all about it. Thunder and guns. This is awful, Dickie, Nolan said with a groan after Ravenswood had, had concluded. If we could only silence the infernal, Ravenswood checked him with a gesture. It is too late for anything of that kind, he said more brusquely. The milk is spilled and the pitcher is broken. Okay, yeah, the pitcher, but what happened to the well? Our only wise course is to disband temporarily, as I have said, with, uh, with the possibility of subsequent reorganization. Uh, probably as more of a pop-oriented band. I don't mm. think Galen's jug playing is really pulling in the audience. Uh, what do you guys think about Dickie and the new Red Ravens? <laughs> Why's it got to be Dickie? I must have time in which to consider it, in which to plan to meet the new conditions if it seems judicious. I write all the songs and sing them, Galen. All right, all right. You might be right, Dickie, Nolan soberly admitted. I know I'm right, Ravenswood spoke decidedly. After tonight, therefore, it will be each man for himself, each still loyal to the ties that have joined us, to the pledge that so long have held us together. So says the Grand Pooba, the loyal order of water buffaloes. That is all I have to say, Brother Ravens, along those lines. His ten confederates, including, with those mentioned, Finley and Blake, Drogan, Holly, Midget Maloney, and two others, looked great. <laughs> Midget Maloney, right. Big Pete, uh, Mac Turlington, Regular Pete, Biff Tannen, Original Pete... <laughs> Um, looked grave and regretful upon hearing these announcements. What happened to Texas Pete? <laughs> Cupid Pete. But none ventured to advise or propose this man who long had been their successful chief, guide, and director. He goes boom, chicky, boom, boom, chicky, boom, boom, chicky, boom. <laughs> Low growls and threats against Glidden came from several, however, which Ravenswood immediately checked. There's nothing in that, he said curtly. We have held the pole for a long time and later may regain it. Some of you have held the pole for a very long time. It's getting a little embarrassing to tell the truth. It's time to shake and get moving. Let's take things as they come. Fortunately, these discoveries were not made until nearly the very moment when our biggest job was done. That now must engage us. That moment is close at hand. We have only six minutes to wait. Okay, now... I know everybody just wants to get on their phones and check Twitter, but I've prepared a list of some six-minute activities. We can do it together, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one, walk briskly to increase our heart rate, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. Number two, listen to a song that motivates mm. us. Number three, check for lumps. This is not a joke, guys. This is, this is a serious thing, okay? Don't be embarrassed. Number four, pay somebody a compliment. It's just a nice thing to do. <laughs> are, are, are we supposed to check each other for lumps or uh, check ourselves? I'm, I'm just asking. God, why, why do I have to micromanage you guys? 
screened that opening under the vault, some of you, lest the debris is scattered by the explosion. Three of the men sprang up and placed a broad wooden screen across the opening, bracing it in place with a strip of joist. All were alert then, and eager for the end of their knavish undertaking. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about our knavish undertaking and how eager I am for the end of it. How about you? <laughs> yeah, certainly. He got the satchel into the vault. All right, Dickie? Nolan questioned. Easily, Ravenswood nodded. Raymond complied without objection. Good for Raymond. It strikes me that we are lame in one way, Lacey ventured. In what way, Lacey? In setting the machine that ignites the explosive so early as nine o'clock. Wouldn't midnight have been better? Far from it, Ravenswood quickly shook his head. There's considerable noise in the street at nine o'clock. Well, they're comparatively quiet at midnight. The explosion then would be more likely to be heard. Okay, ah, but if an explosion goes off at midnight and no one is there to mm. hear it. Mm. That's deep. There's no greater danger of that at either time, put in Nolan. It would be confined to the vault, bar what sound comes down here. We'll get that all right. Good and strong. Dynamite works downward, you know. I know that, of course, Lacey growled. You're not the only one who went to dynamite college, Nolan. <laughs> dynamite. College. <laughs> it won't leave enough of the vault floor to swear by, Nolan added. We know that time-locked doors cannot be opened, and even if the watchman in the building were to hear the muffled sound before he could locate it and make an investigation, we'll have looted the vault and be making a getaway. That's how we figured it, sure. Galen nodded. It, that's a great summation of our plan we've been working on for six months, boss. By the way, Dickie. Well, Patty, is there any possibility that Glidden tracked you, cracked you up again and shadowed you here? Not the slightest, Patty. Ravenswood said confidently, but he overlooked that a spy might have been watching the movements of his supposed valet. And then asked his valet a bunch of dumb questions about molasses while he scouted the place out. <laughs> there won't be the devil to pay, Dickie, in that case, Nolan vouchsafed grimly. Very true, in that case, Ravenswood allowed, glancing at his watch. He appeared perfectly calm and cool, but others were nervous and apprehensive some crouching in the entrance to the tunnels and others against the rough walls, all awaiting the expected explosion. It then lacked only two minutes to nine. Okay, fine, fine. I'll, I'll, we'll check Twitter. <laughs> it was true, indeed, much more true than any Red Raven even remotely suspected. For Joe Glidden, not in the harness 30 years for nothing, had a happy faculty for putting two and two together, and he no sooner had heard Armstrong's story, combining his discoveries with his own, than this experienced, keen-sighted, persistent, and relentless Glidden hit upon the truth. Kind of more tripped over the truth, like a Gerald Ford <laughs> a policeman. <laughs> One minute to nine. Dark figures then had stolen into Z Street. More than a score of them all trained detectives from headquarters, each with guns and ready to kill if necessary. They were stealing in and around the low brick building, covering every discoverable avenue of escape within half a block, while others were watching the bank in front and invading the building with a trusty janitor. Okay, so not a single lookout for the Ravens. More like <laughs> disorganized crime, huh? Necessary roughness. <laughs> oh, uh 
Nine o'clock. Ravenswood had not stirred. Ten seconds passed. Suppose the machine fails, Dicky. Nolan's eyes were bright and dilated, but he was very pale. Ravenswood gazed at him a bit fondly. It will not fail, Patty, he said calmly. It will. No, it did not fail. The expected explosion drowned the words on the lips of the Red Raven chief. The muffled thunder of it shook the earth and walls around them. I feel like this is totally the place where I would make one of those cheap muffled thunder is the name of my queef core band jokes. But then somebody in the comments would be like, excuse me, queef core is a real thing. And then I would look it up on the internet and uh, <laughs> I would just have to quit humanity for a few weeks because it is, it is a real thing, Rob. Queef core. Uh, it's a real thing. <laughs> The wooden screen was blown half across the underground room. Great slabs of stone and cement fell to the floor of the circular chamber. A vast volume of smoke poured downward, filling every opening and corner. Through the blackness of it, the lights glowed wan and yellow, and the moving figures of the excited men were like apparitions seen in a mist. No, they broke into a Morlock vault. <laughs> Mingled with the terrific noise, unheard because of it, came the crash of breaking doors, the smash of a bulkhead, the fall of a trap, the furious rush of heavy feet down stairway and steps. Nolan was the first to see them, the inpouring intruders, white-faced and fierce-eyed, and with, rusty, with ready weapons. He uttered a yell that rose above every other sound, seizing Ravenswood by the arm and dragging him into the nearest tunnel. The dicks! They're on to us! Uh, I got dicks on my back and dicks in my hair! <laughs> They used a sharpie on my face. Nolan shrieked. Every man for himself. Glidden's roar mingled with it. Hands up. We'll shoot to kill. Wow. Okay. Cops were different back then. A little more honest. <laughs> it brought a defiant shot from Lacey. Sending a bullet through Glidden's arm and then came the volley. Lacey, Galen, and Midget Mahoney went down. All badly wounded. Holly, Drogon and Finley were beaten off their feet before they could draw a weapon. Overwhelming numbers were overcoming the Red Ravens. And it's another tough game for the Ravens. Their whole line just decimated, and now they're getting beaten off. <laughs> it's a sad sight to see. It's worse when it happens to your team. The feet of two, however, were moving like those of frightened hares. They sped through the tunnel, emerged from the back door of a lodging house within 30 seconds, saw that the way around a stable was open, and then they were off and away through the misty nights. Cripes, gasped Nolan. Our first slip-up, Dicky. Pretty sure this guy is the original Robin. Well, Cripes, it's a slip-up, Dicky, right? Yeah. And he's a member of the Red Ravens, <gasps> except Batman's a criminal. Uh and I don't know. I don't really like these Dark Knights metal <laughs> comics, so. They're so metal, though. Never mind the slip-ups, Patty. Ravenswood's voice was calm, but through the black smoke that seared his face, his features were painfully drawn and ghastly white. It's the boys. The boys, Patty. Heaven help them. Some are down and out. Down and out forever. They're like Nick Nolte in that movie, <laughs> but also like, like Nick Nolte and Yeah. <laughs> true, Dickie. Too true. Glidden, curse the dick, has made good this time. What? Come on, I don't question, Ravenswood interrupted. 
We're down to doubles in cases, Patty. We'll run double, Patty, you and I, for the present. But heaven knows where. We'll get there, Dickie. It's a very good plan, Oliver. Nolan's voice took on a more cheerful ring. We'll get there. All right, dear old Dickie. Ravenswood grasped his arm with a vice-like grip. You bet we'll get there, he cried through his set teeth. The end is not yet, Patty. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but also the end? The end. So that ended. <laughs> you know, it's a joke every week we do it, but um, sure didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's a serial story. Yeah. You, you don't, who, who could stand for the adventures of the Red Ravens to end? This is, I, I could never. I mean, I want to see Glidden just go on and on and on. He's, he's a character to me like Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Poirot or uh, young Einstein. Just somebody you want to see all the time. It, that's what Yahoo Serious thought, and he <laughs> just wakes up constantly surprised. Time will prove him right, Alan. Time will prove his memory right. All right, what did you think the moral of this story was, Rob? Well, I think the moral of the story is that detecting is not really that hard. And uh, if you're not that bright, this is an occupation for you. Because he says you can put two and two together. And um, I literally believe him. I see. I think it's the banks always win. Hmm. Like, literally, they're going out to fancy lunches with the criminals who steal our money from the banks and then they're going to get this whole insurance bailout it's just it's it's sickening it's a rigged system alan well i think that's about wraps it up for this week's episode we've we've had some highs and we've had some lows and we've had some dicky but uh i think that was good so I hope everybody wants to tune in next time for another exciting Interrupted. It was a Pretty Little Liars spinoff called Ravenswood. Okay. And they took a very popular character, Caleb, who's very handsome. And they put him on there and took him off of Pretty Little Liars. And, and it just ruined everything. Tail.